if you want to be world-class, the key is what won't you do, not what will you do. Welcome to Financial Sobriety. You might think this is a podcast about money, traditional money. Oh, but you'd be wrong if that's what you were thinking. This is a completely different conversation. This is a conversation that's going to challenge everything you think you know about money in life. You know, there are three relationships that can get pretty complicated. That relationship we have with money, that relationship we have with people, and that oh-so-tricky relationship we have with ourselves. And let me tell you, those three relationships, they're pretty tied together closely. And when one of those relationships falls out of whack, it might have an effect on the others. Now, if you're like most people I've met, and you struggle a little bit in one of those relationships, then you are absolutely in the right place. My name's Matthew Grishman. I'm the co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered right here in Northern California. I'm joined by my business partner, Jim Gebhardt, who got this whole party started when he opened the doors of our firm back in May of 2005. Now, Jim and I are on a pretty big mission here. We created this podcast because we want to have some impact. We want to be able to help one million people get intentional with their money, their people, and with the relationship they have with the person looking back at them in the mirror. Episode 29. This is going to be a fun episode because how many years have we been doing things like New Year's resolutions and I got to do this, I got to do that, I'm going to do this this year, all that crazy, crazy stuff. Since the beginning of time. Yeah. I mean, that's the new year is all about how do we get started on the right path and get better as a result of what we experienced last year. How can I improve the quality of my life in all these different areas I want to improve upon? And it's all been about creating these resolutions where there's so much more I have to do to be healthier. There's so much more I have to do to be thinner. There's so much more I have to do to be wealthier and have less debt. All these things we have to do. And I'm so excited that we've learned to do something different. Well, and our theme this month is getting started on the right path, right? First month yeah. of the year, fresh start, let's go. And our guest today is both a dear friend, a coach, a mentor that is really gonna shed some light, I think, for everybody on a very different approach. Last episode, we got to talk with our good friends, Jeff and Teresa, in the vein of this theme of getting started on the right path. And they really shared some great ideas as far as how they communicate about money, how money has affected their relationship, and some of the positive takeaways that I know I got some really good stuff out of. And what I thought would be good to pivot on, staying with this January theme of getting started on the right path, is just as we were talking about with resolutions. I don't know about you, partner, but it's about this time every year where I've got all these incredible things I'm going to change and all these incredible new things I'm going to do. Yet right about now, right about mid, mid to end of January, I get really overwhelmed and I shut down. And so many of those resolutions that I've added to my list of things to do this year, they go away because of how overwhelmed I am with all this stuff I've got to do to improve my life. And so much of that has to do with new habits, right? new disciplines. When you try to make that many major changes, it's hard. The classic is I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year. That's been the rinse and repeat for me for many, many, many years. And yeah, right around now, that third week of January, you're kind of like, whew, this is hard. 
I can abstain from this, that, and the other thing for a while, but you know, on a permanent basis, oof. I think what's helped the both of us when it comes to some of these disciplines that we're trying to put in place, it's not so much about doing more. When we met our good friend, Bo Eason, who we're going to have on the show here shortly, he's that first person you and I met that opened up our mind to a different way of thinking about how we get started on the right path. And that it's not about doing more, it's actually about doing less. It's about learning instead of saying yes to a million different things we can say yes to, actually learning how to say no to things and how to eliminate everything in your life that doesn't serve your ultimate goal, what it is you're trying to accomplish. And the simplicity of that is a beautiful thing. Oh, it's been incredible. I remember when we first started with this say no more list in 2018, for me, it was pretty simple. It was saying no to things like late night eating. It was saying no to drive through fast food. It was saying no to drinking alcohol, smoking, a lot of these bad habits. It was just eliminating them by saying no to them. Now, did I actually go an entire year without doing those things? Some of them, but others, what I realized was it wasn't that I was going to completely eliminate it in that year, but rather I was going to be more mindful of those behaviors. And I found myself less likely to give up on it or judge myself for slipping because it was an intention to say no rather than a resolution. There was just something in that psychologically. And when Bo gave us permission to say no to these things, it put it in the front of my brain as something that at the end of the year, when I look back on the progress that I made throughout the year, yep, did I do those harmful things to myself a lot less than I did the year before? Absolutely. Well, I mean, perfect execution is unrealistic, right? Right. And I think that's part of the challenge for so many people is their own expectation or a loved one's expectation of perfect execution. My favorite analogy, I'm sure we've used it on the show before, is if you ever talk to a pilot, ask them how much of a flight is on autopilot. And they're going to tell you, other than takeoff and landing, the, the bird's on autopilot. Why is that? Well, because they're off course 99% of the time. If you have an expectation of perfect execution and you fall off the horse or you're off course, makes it really, really hard to let yourself have some self-grace to be able to get back up on the horse and try again tomorrow. I think that's another component to the conversation with Bo that I've learned a lot from. So you're saying, I mean, basically the point of an autopilot feature on an airplane is that being that course it's correct. off course, yeah, it course corrects. It, it's constantly putting the plane back on course as it falls off course. That's really what this idea of say no more has done for me, is it's given me that autopilot feature that's constantly course correcting. I mean, one, you know, one of the big things that I'm saying no to uh, for 2021 is no physical or mental junk food. But about an hour ago, I ate a donut. And what was really cool about doing that was I did it intentionally. Is I that cheated. junk food? It, uh, well, uh, some might consider it junk food. It didn't taste, I mean, it tasted <laughs> so good. But the thing about it was, was I was very intentional with doing it. My son and his girlfriend decided to surprise me in the office with a box of donuts. And years ago, before I had this intention to say no to junk food, I would have let them leave the entire box here in the office. And I would have devoured that box over a day or two. Eh, maybe over a day. A day or two? Right. Who maybe are you kidding? Eh, maybe a couple hours. Yeah, like two to four hours. Yeah. The difference being is that 
I made a choice that I'm going to have one donut. I'm going to intentionally cheat. They're going to take the box with them. And I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I made that intentional decision. I didn't just unconsciously eat an entire box of donuts. And then an hour later, sitting there holding my stomach going, oh, what did I just do? I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Did they lie like lead pellets in your stomach? Oh, they did then. But now I'm you know, getting that little sugar rush where I feel like I can talk to a wrong number for three days. The idea that I can go into a year and not be overwhelmed by this point in the year because of all these new things I need to do, when the reality is what has helped me greatly these last couple of years on this journey of financial sobriety is really about doing less. If there used to be 40 things on my to-do list to do what we do for a living, knowing that I've been able to boil that down to two or three activities a day that, as Bo has taught us, helps us make the boat go faster, helps us do what it is we're supposed to be doing, and then to be able to say no to all of those other things. Now, that's taken some time. And fortunately, we're going to get into that a little bit today of, of how we actually go through saying no. I wrote a whole chapter in the book, Financial Sobriety, called Say No More. And so this would be the, the book itself say, would be say, say no, no more. It's a play say on no words. more. Right. It's say no more and say no more. I mean, this would be a wonderful resource within the book just to help take this a little bit further and explore how we can actually start saying no. Because I know one of the things I'm looking forward to hearing more about with Bo is how do I actually do that? How do I say no? I don't know how. One of the things I had to say no to because it just wasn't serving my needs was washing my own car. Something I well, know- Bring you, it to me. I, right, I, but I didn't know how to do that at first. I didn't know how I was going to not wash my own car. Well, luckily there's a, a pretty good car wash down the street from my house, but I wasn't sure that that was worth spending money on. I didn't like the idea of spending 30 or $40 a week to go wash my car. Could I afford it? I had no idea how I was going to say no to not doing my own laundry and cleaning my own house because the cost of hiring somebody else to do that was prohibitive. Sure. And one of the things I really appreciate about this say no more exercise is that we don't have to have the answer to how I'm going to say no to this right now. We just have to identify it. And the concept, I don't even remember what episode, many episodes ago, was when you're saying no to washing the car, when you're saying no to ironing your own shirts, cleaning your house, mowing your lawn, that is, in the simplest form and fashion, that is being able to say no to this. So you have the freedom from doing that. And yes, it's going to cost money, but you now have freedom too. Right. And that freedom to conversation is equally as powerful because that's going to, if you do it right, that's going to be a source of energy. That activity, maybe it frees you up by not washing your car or washing your clothes to be able to exercise more, to be able to go for walks out of nature, to be able to read more, meditate more, write more. It's a mindset. And that's really yeah. what we want to introduce everybody today is a different perspective and a mindset from somebody that has been able to do this for decades. We are very excited to have Bo Eason with us today. And for those of you that may not know Bo, he has an incredible history and an incredible career. And he'll tell us a little bit of that story, but it actually starts way back when he was nine years old. I'll save that part for Bo. 
but his first chapter in life was an NFL safety pause, then turns playwright. Not a natural progression from NFL to playwright. Spent 15 years on Broadway with a one-man play called Run to the Litter. Goes through that intense chapter of life. Chapter three is he turns himself into a nationally well-known speaker, author with his new book, which is a multi-bestseller called There's No Plan B for Your A-Game, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And now with the coaching work that he does, he's out there telling people how to tell their story and how to really get crystal clear on being the best in the world at what they do. So, Bo, we are very excited to have you here on the show, and uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us. So great to be with you guys. I just want to say that these three people should probably be not on the same podcast, but here we go. <laughs> here we go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. So, great, so grateful to have you here. So knowing that the three of us could be dangerous, I'm going to tee up a fun conversation that I know we've all had before. You know, the, the whole theme of what we've been talking about lately is this idea of trying to get started on the right path for 2021. I'm curious, Bo, to start with, what's your take on New Year's resolutions? How many New Year's resolutions have you put in place for yourself this year? <laughs> I'm not a big resolution guy, you know? I, and I, I don't know if that's going out of fashion, like people don't do that anymore, or people do do it, I'm not sure. But I'm always looking a little bit longer. I'm always looking at decades and, and that kind of thing, because that way, at least I'm assuring myself that these dreams or, or, or declarations will come true. I think a year is a, is a short time. So when I look at a year, I look at themes. Like, what am I going to do? And more importantly, what am I never going to do? You know, what am I not going to do? What am I going to eliminate? So I look at the, the years thematically and go, okay, by year 10, I want to be here. So year one, I better get rid of all of these things so that I can clear the path to get to year two. And then in year two, I'll start to build this and that. And that's really how those big lifelong dreams really come into existence. You know, everybody thinks, and I think a lot of people coach people to actually do this. They say, okay, here's a big to-do list. Do these 400 things and you'll be great. You'll be exhausted. Yeah, and no one can do all those things. And I always say, no, no, it's so, if you want to be world-class, the key is what won't you do, not what will you do. And that's been my experience for 50 years attempting to do this in several different places. And that's what I love about these kinds of conversations. Where'd right? that come from? Where'd that start? I mean, you've been doing this for 50 years. Were you born with that? Where did you learn that? Well, you know, I've, I've always been a dreamer like all of us. We just forget that we're dreamers because we stopped doing it at such a young age because, you know, we got our heart broken and decided not to do it anymore. I went through the same stuff, right? But I just, I have a clear vision of the next place for me to go. And that usually that place, like when I was a kid, was way off in the distance. It was 18, 20 years away before I, I could be big enough or fast enough or great enough get enough turnover in to be, you know, the best safety in, in the NFL. And so 
that's how I approach these things. I've always kind of taken these big, big timelines with these big overarching dreams. And the dreams, they're not, they're not small at all. Like they're so big that it just requires everything you got. And then it also requires that you get rid of all the dead weight. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. And so, you know, that's how I did it as a kid. And then I had success, right? Like, so many years later, I reached that pinnacle of the dream, the original dream that I had as a kid. And so football was over for me. I had seven knee surgeries while I played. It was just, it was over. I couldn't do it anymore. And that's all I knew. I knew one position. I knew how to play it well. I was world-class at that. And then it was gone. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that again. I'm going to pick something else and I'm going to master that thing. Now it might take, I don't know how many years it's going to take me, but I'm going to master this thing the same way that I mastered the position of safety. And that's what I did. And it just happened to be in a completely opposite area, which was, you know, the theater, right? So I did that. I learned from the best. I trained from the best. And, you know, many, many years later, I was standing on top of that heap and that's not of any kind of skill that I have, or rather it's a skill that I have to stick with something, mm -hmm. right? And master that thing. And so that's what I keep doing with my life is just trying to master something else, whatever that is. And it might be like seemingly completely unrelated, but what I've found after doing this four times is it doesn't matter if one is playwriting and one is playing safety. It doesn't matter if one is speaking and one is being a, a husband. The principles of being the best in the world at something remain the same, regardless of what you're trying to master. It doesn't matter. It matters that you stick with the principles and bring that thing to existence. I think one of the the big themes for us, and as a matter of fact, it's a tagline of the show itself, which is be intentional with your money. Mm. And when I hear you talk about decades, I think a lot of people struggle thinking of this weekend, let alone a month, let alone a year. Yeah. And the intentionality that you put into being the best at something in the context of money one of the things that we're always trying to help people with is to just be more intentional with their spending, more, you know, have a game plan. So as financial professionals, that decade-long look might be retirement. It might be a vacation home. It might be being debt-free, whatever that is. And I think your book does a beautiful job of talking about that intentionality, that extraordinary discipline muscle that you've created over a very long period of time. How do you help somebody shift their mindset from January to a decade? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. I, in fact, you guys, it's funny that we're talking today because just the last few days, I've been having conversations with my son about this very thing, Jim, which is this in intentionality thing. So, you know, my son has these big dreams of being this world-class athlete and Every single training that he has, I'm constantly saying to him, so what's your intention for the basketball training that you're going to now? And then he goes to quarterback training. So I go, what's your intention at quarterback training today? And then I'll say, what's your intention on the track today? What's your intention with school today? I'm constantly asking them and making him answer it. 
because out loud, I would imagine out loud, out loud. And he's embarrassed, you know, and he's 14. So he, yeah. he's like, well, dad, I just, you know, I want to dribble the ball good today. Or, and I go, no, 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 no. Let's make this because no one is intentional, especially for most, for the most part. And especially in money, a lot of times we're just not intentional about it because we're thoughtless about it. So if Axel, my son, if he goes to basketball practice, then goes to quarterback training, then does some mental work with a mental coach, and then goes to uh, speed training, and he's just thoughtless about the whole thing, he's just burning time. But if he is intentional about each one of those trainings and what specifically he's going to bring into existence during that training, then he can really move the dial and move the dial further. So think of that world that you're like that. It might be you're a writer. It might be that you're a, a speaker. It might be that you're a husband or a wife in that way or a parent where you just feel like in your zone, like that's your world. I guarantee you, you are thoughtful about everything in that world. Thoughtful. Now we step you into the money world or over here into a, a different world. Now you're completely thoughtless. You're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. You have no intention. You're just kind of getting through. When you're great at something, that is a thoughtful act. You are thinking about it. You are trying to improve at the tiniest little things just to move the dial. Sure. So that is the distinction that I would use that I've been using with my son because I'm telling you, if you do this with money, if you do this with where you want to be and you're thoughtful about it in a world that is thoughtless, you have now moved way ahead of everybody else and you're going to be able to measure the things that you're desiring. So my son now is, you know, we always talk about it like this, like, look, Axel, you're competing with every other 14 year old out there right now. And they're probably training right now. But if they're training thoughtlessly, like by rote, by like, well, I'll just dribble kind of half-assed. And if I make it, I make it. If I don't, no big deal. Well, that's thoughtless practice. It's got no deliberateness, if that's a word. There's nothing deliberate about that. Sure. You're just going through motions. Well, after 15 more years of doing that, and every other 14-year-old's 15 years of doing that, guess who's going to be so far out in front of everybody else? The one who was thoughtful and intentional about what that practice actually means today. Same thing with money, right? Same thing. Just have to apply it to that world of not only making money, but how to keep it, how to save it. So in those circumstances where I'll call it a slip and fall, right? We lose intentionality, we lose our discipline, we lose our focus, we fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. A little earlier in the show today, Matthew was kind enough to admit to everybody that he had a donut earlier today. <laughs> I love it. I, I, love it. I intentionally had a donut today. <laughs> Even though in 2021, I'm saying no to physical and mental junk food. Mm. But something you have been so generous in, in helping me see is that if I'm going to cheat, be intentional about it. Yes. If Miles had walked in my office with a box of donuts and I, I didn't have the intentional mindset of saying no to junk food, I would have mindlessly consumed that entire box of donuts over the next 15 to 20 minutes yep. and sat here. Oh, what, what did I just do? 
how, how did that just happen? Right. But instead yep. I had that one donut and I intentionally cheated. Yep. You taught yep. us that. And, yeah. And it's, it's true. Like if you're, you got to call your shots, you got to be like Babe Ruth. Remember Babe Ruth? Oh yeah. He's up to the plate and he pointed, he pointed over the fence and he goes, I'm hitting it there. So you got to do that whether you're off course or on course. So if you want to go out and have a couple glasses of wine with your spouse and you're you're on the wagon as far as drinking wine, you got to announce it. You got to say, you know what? I'm going to have a couple glasses of wine tonight. And it's got to be your doing. The power is always with you instead of you just like, oh, surprise. Okay, I'll drink the wine. And then you can blame someone else for that. No. And your responsibility is you. You call the shots like Babe Ruth did. Therefore, you can fall off the wagon. And then it was your call. You fell off the wagon. It was your call. You can get back on the wagon, get back up on the horse, right? Well, and and so often when you're trying to develop new skills in this discipline conversation, it's about protecting your confidence, right? One of the things we talk about a lot about with clients is job number one is protecting your confidence. So if you're going to cheat and you're going to have a glass of wine or a donut or whatever the heck it is, there's so much more power, like you're saying, and confidence in knowing, okay, tonight, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to have two glasses of wine, no more, no less. Yep. And I'm good. Yep. And you maintain your confidence that next day. You might have a little bit of a headache. You might not train as hard, but you, you haven't eroded some confidence, like you're saying, of just kind of being a, a bouncing ball that just goes wherever it goes. And yeah, my kids all have these big dreams, right? So, and they've had them for years because that's kind of how I taught them to create their life. And a lot of times they'll just throw their hands up in the air and go, I quit. And I go, that is perfect. That is totally, that's exactly where we are. So it's cool to quit for an hour. So you got an hour. <laughs> exactly. I love you can, that. You can cry. Yeah. You can Stop, quit. cry, break something. Yeah. You can do anything you want. I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> I had that very conversation with Grace last night, Bo. So there was some team that more marketing than anything announced kind of a West Coast 2020 all-star team. She made one cut, but she didn't make this one. And she was done. She was fried. She was melting down. I said, cool, take an hour, go do whatever the hell you want. Go take a hot shower, go scream in a pillow, whatever. But the work begins anew tomorrow. I am convinced you guys that the people that succeed in this world, all of us are guaranteed to fall directly on our face day in and day out. I mean, it happens so often. It's the ones who can move through those things the fastest are always the most successful. The ones who can actually deal with that feeling that you have when you totally get rejected, like Grace did. Like that rejection is just so heartbreaking that you're like, man, I am, I am done with that bull crap. And it's the one who's the quickest to move through that. Those people that always are the ones who not only succeed, but they go to the very, very, very top We can sit here for hours, you guys, and recite Michael Jordan's stories of getting cut from his high school basketball team twice, not once, twice. How can that possibly be, if he's the greatest to ever play the game, how could the high school coach fire him twice? That's that's more true than in, in every field, 
than anything else, right? It's never the superstar at a young age that goes all the way. It's always the kid who was told they weren't good enough or got fired or couldn't be in the choir or wasn't picked for the team. Those are the people who move through those things and go, you know what? I'm gonna make my own decisions. I think I'm not gonna wait to be chosen. I'm just gonna choose myself and I'm gonna keep going like Michael Jordan did and Michael Phelps and everybody else who's successful who we can name. Sure. Steph, so, Cur Steph Curry's uh, scouting yeah. report coming out of college. Yeah, right. Too weak, too small, too slow. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. funny. Those are never ending in sports, but they're also never ending in the business world, in the financial world. It's the ones that just, they, they keep choosing themselves instead of allowing other people to choose them. Because if you're sitting around waiting to be chosen, you know, you may be sitting around a long time. You got to choose yourself stay loyal to the vision and the dream that you have, and then bring that into existence over time. And during those years of bringing that into existence, so much heartache, so much failure, so much, you know, just falling right on your face that if you can just be okay with that and go, okay, I fell on my face, but you know, I'm back up on my feet right now. So I'm, I can re-engage. I'm, I'm still here. Matthew, that's one thing that you've been, it's a great example that you use with the donut this morning, but you're one of those guys, I bet since a kid that teaches the rest of us that you can step on every landmine and still win. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Amen. Like you're, you're that guy who's that guy who's going to step in the bear trap, right? And then show the rest of us that there's a bear trap there. Don't step in it. Oh. <laughs> right? And then keep moving forward. And He's going to get the bear to open an account. <laughs> the bear's going to become a client by the end of the month. Absolutely. <laughs> I have stepped in more messes and fallen down on my face. I mean, that the, the genesis of this whole podcast is about the, the, the train wreck of a relationship that I had with money for, yeah. for most of my adult life and the failures that I had with money. But there was something even before meeting you where quitting, giving up just was never an option for me. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out a way. And, and when I was out of answers, I looked around and I asked for help. Jim was the first guy I went and spoke my truth to and asked for help help me get out of this hole, help me see what I can't see. I met you in 2014. And that just really accelerated my whole belief system about being able to step in a mess. And, and I still make messes. I still make mistakes. I still fall all over myself. But I'll tell you, it's just something I love being able to share with people are these, these messes that I've made in life and being vulnerable about them and sharing how I've been able to get out of them. And, and one of the most valuable tools that you've helped me with is this idea that cleaning up my messes isn't about doing more. It's about doing less. Yep. It's about, yeah. as you would say, the never do again list. Mm -hmm. what, what I call my say no more list. Yeah. That's yeah. been a game changer. It's, you know, that if people just on this podcast, if you get one thing, I, I would jump on this because everyone's got a list for you to do. Everyone, there's a bunch of things that you need to do to reach the top or to reach the financial, uh, you know, security that you want. Anybody can tell you the list. It's what you won't do that gets you there. 
I believe the only way to reach the top is by elimination. You have to get rid of things. When I was in high school, every guy, every friend I had, we were all on the same team, right? And then when I went to college, there was just a couple of us, right? And then when I went to the pros, there you're looking around, there's it's only you. It's because the person that can unload stuff cannot consume certain things. They go to the top so quickly, so fast. So great example. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a, this pro football player, right? And somehow in my mind, I knew this. I knew I had to eliminate stuff. Do you know what I eliminated? And I was a, I was a kid, right? So I didn't understand. But I thought if I, and you guys are going to laugh and think this is crazy, but I had equated in my mind that if I went to the prom and had relations and dated with girls as a, as a high school athlete, that I wouldn't be able to be the best safety in the world. That was in my mind. So I didn't go to the prom. And I, I went on like one date in high school. I eliminated that from my life. Now, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying it gave me an edge because I knew that every other safety out there who was my age, 14, 15, 16 years old, I knew they were dating or distracted yeah, they were distracted. by something that I wasn't going to do. And if you think about just this sentence, what won't you consume? What won't you consume? Is it social media? Is it broadcast media? Is it video games? Is it what is it? Is it this type of food? Is it this type of party? Is it this type of friendship? If you'll just make a list of what you refuse to consume, I am telling you that thing moves the dial so damn fast because your life now is so lean. It has no options, like Matthew talked about. There was, there's no more options. You've eliminated all of them. So all you have is the loyalty and the dedication to a thing, which is your dream, your vision. And all you're left with is that. That is truly puts you at a world-class level in a darn hurry. And that goes across the board, whether you're a business person or whether you're an athlete or whether you're a ballet dancer. Whoever will not consume these things that keep them away from being world-class, they go to the top the fastest. And they get there while everyone else is like, how did you do that? So let me ask you this. The last time we were together last fall, when we spent some time together, you were talking about some of the things that you and Don and the family were really looking, big goals, big stuff you wanted to accomplish. And you were looking at 2021, tying this back to money and wealth, as the year you created more wealth for your family than you've ever created in your life. Mm -hmm. yep. What is it that you and Dawn and the kids have to say no to and put on your never do list to see that goal happen, to see that vision happen for you for 2021? For money, most of us grew up probably similar to me and I think similar to you guys too, where money, the conversation around money was something like, oh, we're not wealthy. We're just not those kind of type of people. We pointed out people who we thought were rich and made fun of them or, or said they were evil. So it was more of a conversation that we had around money that was actually making us limited to how much we could make. 
Because listen, if you're going to point out the rich and call them evil, guess what you can't be? Precisely. <laughs> exactly. I you know, spent a lot of couch time, Bo. I spent a lot of couch time unlearning those behaviors from family members that would, yep. make, would make comments at how this family made their money, how that family made their money. And it was always in a, not in a sinister way, but it was just a kind of a, son, don't, don't make your living that way. Don't get rich yep. that way. And so it was yep. all these paths that were closed and money, money's messy. Money's complicated. Yeah. Money is money is taboo to talk about. Yeah. We don't go around saying how much money we make, how much money we have, how much money it just doesn't. It's not a cultural norm. Right. That is a, a beautiful reminder that in the same way that you're going to say no to what you're consuming, you've got to say no to some of these self-limiting beliefs. Right. I, I've always thought of it as people generally have a block around how much money they can make kind of a, a ceiling. Yeah. And it, it tends to be where their family was, right? Where their mother or father or the household was. And they have a very difficult time blasting through that. Once they yep. blast through it, there's generally some next ceiling where it's like, well, I, geez, I never, I never thought I'd make a million dollars, a half a million right. dollars, whatever the number is. And, oh, geez, what's, it, what's the air like when I get there? Is the air different? Does the yep. food taste different? So that's a great reminder. Yeah, it's that and that's a, you know, that's a huge conversation for most families, I'm guessing, just because money just has so much attached to it, put so much meaning on it, and what it says about us, that it really messes us up. Well, Bo, we're a little past our time with you here. And let's just share with the listeners, people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn a little bit more about you and how you've been able to become the best four different times in your life. What are some of the best ways that people can get in touch with you, reach out to you and your team? What I would say, you guys, I would pick up the book. It just came out in paperback, by the way. There's no plan B for your awesome. A again. I would pick that up and you can get that any retailers or boeisonbook.com. And you know, if you want to join an event that I do or or do a training that I do, that all that information is on boeason.com. B-O-E-A-S-O-N.com. All the information is right there and love to have you, love to you know work with people, especially if you guys are like-minded like uh, Matthew and Jim here. We just have a great team and a great way of like going about self-actualizing, like fulfilling on this organism that we are. We're all this potential. And what we do, you know, is we fulfill on that potential instead of just leaving it there and letting it be kind of mediocre. We fulfill on that. And I think that's our birthright. And I think that's why we're here. And in this world of 2021, where the world's trying to just reduce itself to gossip and victimhood and the blaming of others, not taking control of their own lives. I think if you do that, you, know, you take your life by the horns, as my dad used to say, you take it by the horns, you're responsible for your own greatness. You just set yourself apart from the rest of our culture because you know we live in the most distracted time in human history. And I don't think it's getting better. I think it's gonna get worse. Well, oh, that's, yeah. the, that's the great news for us though, who think like this and will not be distracted from our own visions and our own dreams. While the rest of the world is distracted, trying to blame somebody for their dreams not working out, we're actually building our dreams day by day. 
right? So now we're in charge. That makes us leaders. That puts us out front. And I think that's the only place to be in 2021 going forward in a world that refuses, that refuses to be the best, to fulfill on their birthright. So that's what I'd, I'd leave you guys with. And, and that's what Matthew and Jim are all about. That's the only reason we connect. I mean, we connect at that place. We collide at this access point of, man, I wanna see what I'm made of. I wanna measure at the end of my life, I wanna measure how, how I stood up to other, other men or, or a game or the financial world. I wanna see where I, where I end up instead of ending up someplace like going, oh shoot. Here I am, the world's against me, uh, here we go. Victimhood, take it a step further. Take control of your life, be intentional about it, say no to everything else. Thank you, Bo, for creating that community for us. Oh, you're the, yeah. you're the best. There are many more orphans that are floating out there <laughs> looking, looking for the orphanage, but it's a wonderful, wonderful place, and it's a wonderful community of like-minded people. I always think of the Tom Hanks movie, where he's on the island all by himself and he's oh, just cast talking, away. He's just castaways. Yeah. Thank you. And he's just, he's sitting there, you know, talking, sometimes yelling, sometimes crying at the volleyball Wilson. And when you have oh. the mindset that you've had all of your life, and I know I've had it all of my life, it is a, it's a level of connection that you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta be there. I gotta, th those are the people I need to be with. Yeah. So that I'm in a community where I can, I can go after that and not be sucked down the wormhole of what, society, if you will, wants us to chew on. Thank right. you very much for doing that. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. Loved loved uh, being on here with you. It's like old home week. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> loved totally. having you here. Thank you so much, Gret. Glad to have you at least virtually in Sacramento for a little while. Love you, brother. Love you guys. I'm thrilled that we got to give our financial sobriety community a taste, a of, taste. Of, of one of the most meaningful, impactful coaches that you and I have had in our life. What Bo has given us, the generosity of literally opening up his playbook of what it is to be the best in the world at something. I mean, he's done it four times. And the fact that what he's done in four very different areas of his life to become the very best at something just shows that there, there are these repeatable things. And, and I'm just, I'm so grateful he's in our life and that we get to spend time with him. Uh, I just, I can't say enough about my gratitude for him. That was, uh, that was extraordinary. Please buy a copy of his book. There's no plan B for your A game. That's a great way to engage and learn more about him. Go to boeason.com, B-O-E-A-S-O-N, all one word, boeason.com to learn more about the different workshops and virtual programs that he's got going on right now, you will not be disappointed. Well, and one, one other thing I will add too is after you get Bo's book, you can go to amazon.com to pick up a copy of Financial Sobriety, Rebuilding Your Relationship with Money One Step at a Time. And we have an entire chapter called Say No More. In fact, if you send us an email at info at yourfinancialsobriety.com, we will actually email that chapter to you. You know, partner, there's so much in this episode. We could probably chop it up into two or three episodes. But I think with all that we've shared today, I'm going to call it today and say that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. 
Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.